and welcome along to Extra Time here on LCFC Radio and LCFC TV. Um, after a good result for Leicester City, a good couple of days actually for the Foxes. They had that win in the Europa League on Thursday and then the win in the snow against Watford at King Power Stadium on Sunday. Um, welcome along to Tony Cotty and to Matt Elliott. Matt, you're looking fresh as ever, as you always are. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a hint of sarcasm there, Daniel. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. To be fair, well, Monday mornings, I never at my best, but I'm trying to look after myself. That's so. the best I've ever seen you look on a Monday morning, Matt. <laughs> That's the first time you've ever seen me on a Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony, how are you? I'm good, then. Thanks. All good. Yeah, I've um, seen quite a bit of football. I've watched quite a few games over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm all good, mate. Looking forward to talking about uh, what was a fantastic win for Leicester. Good man. Yeah, let's get straight into it then, Matt. Obviously, we were uh, we were at the game, we were covering it, and um, it, it was a, a strange game, wasn't it? With the, the snowstorm in the second half, there were even half whispers. Would would the game last the full ninety minutes? We couldn't see the ball at one point, could we? Really, from our view in the press. Oh. No, exactly. Uh, we said we're covering the game, and the snow was covering the pitch, wasn't it? It was it, it was seriously in question, as you say, at, at one stage. I'm, I remember looking at it was about after the 57 minute mark and I think well, it's over half out to go. I'm not, not going to call it off, you know, in the very latter stages, but it was really coming down, wasn't it? And the lines were, uh, were covered over and there was an interval, which was a bit bizarre. It was like a five minute interval after what, immediately after Watford scored, wasn't it? To clear the lines and the penalty area in the halfway line, etc. And Whilst that served a purpose, at the same time, it allowed more snow to fall on the rest of the pits and become more hazardous. But thankfully, the, um, the snow, well, it lessened, didn't it? It was still coming down, but it seemed to melt away. And, you know, it wasn't a problem coming into the game. But I thought the players coped pretty well with it, to be honest. I thought it was, they are difficult conditions like that. And, uh, you know, the, the, the travel of the ball was being slowed. And at one stage, you started to think, no, surely not. Leicester, despite courageous effort by Watford, I always thought Leicester were going to win that game. Although it, it was in doubt on a, on a few occasions throughout the course of the match. Because Watford were a threat and uh, so both attacks were, were dangerous on the day. But um, no, both teams came through it pretty well, I thought. And the mistakes were kept at a premium. And the quality of the game was... You know, it was reasonable, all things considered. Leicester looked pretty sharp, I thought, going forward in an attacking sense, I just mentioned there. Lots of movement, lots of creativity. There was a purpose about their play and there was an edge about their play that we haven't seen of late. Uh, I'm assuming, Tony, that you've played in games where the snow was like it was. Uh... You're saying I'm older than Matt. That's what you're saying, Dan. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> you're correct, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. It snows in every era, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I, I, do you know what, Dan? It was funny. I mean, obviously, I, I didn't see the game live, but, um, you know, I tuned in to watch the match. I knew that the Burnley Spurs game had been called off for snow, so I knew the weather wasn't good, sort of from the, the northwest coming down to the Midlands. And... I mean, one, one observation I would make was about the ball. Um, you know, just watching it on the TV, it was almost impossible to see the ball. I know, I know when you're on the pitch, it's probably a lot easier and, uh, to see the ball. But from a supporter's point of view, and from a, certainly from a TV point of view, 
I mean, that ball, I know it wasn't a, 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 what you would call a white ball, and I know they're multicoloured nowadays, but surely, surely, surely you should have what you would term as a, an old-fashioned snowball that me and Matt would have played with, like a proper orangey, luminous ball that everyone can see. So that would be my, my first observation. And the second one with the weather, I think, um, in my day, you're quite right, yeah, we had plenty of games where there was sort of snow-covered pitches, but the difference was there was no under-soil under heating. I know Leicester have got that. So, of course, underneath the, the snow is a soft pitch. And when we used to play, you know, invariably it was a frozen pitch as well. There was plenty of times when I played and you, you couldn't even wear rubber boots, rubber sole boots. You had, you had to wear trainers. It was, it was a bit like playing on the old QPR pitch, Matt. It was, you know, some of the, the surfaces I played on were terrible. So, um, I, I think we've moved on from <laughs> those dark days of the 70s and the 80s and that. But, yeah, certainly had a few sort of funny games uh, in my career, Matt, where, where you're actually playing on snow. And one game I played at Ipswich, it was a frozen pitch with three inches of snow on it. And because we had the orange ball, we, we got away with it. So, uh, it was really interesting to tune in and see a good old-fashioned game and a proper game of football, I might add, as well, played in really, really good, uh, bad conditions. I was telling Dan yesterday, Tony, I had an experience of playing in the snow on Boxing Day um, for Scunthorpe United, no less, against York City. <laughs> <laughs> and for the Christmas Day, everyone was assuming the game was going to be off because the weather forecast was not good. So, as you can imagine, a few of us ended up going out Christmas Day. <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, the game was still on on, on the next day. And we played up against um, York City, who had a certain striker called Paul Barnes, who's Harvey Barnes' yeah. father. Good, good player, good goal scorer, Paul. I was up against him, marking him man to man. We lost 5-0. Paul Barnes scored five. And I didn't play again for another couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul was both good therapy good. and lots of other things from the evening as well. Um, I, we, we spoke to Timothy Castagna this morning, actually, uh, um, ahead of the, the Southampton game. You'll be able to see that on LCFC TV in the coming days. Um, but he, he said about the game in, in snow and conditions like that, and we saw that, that it, it makes it so difficult, Tony, to, to play football. It, it ended up just being a little bit quite long ball. The ball would go forward because it's almost impossible to pass the ball along the ground because it will just get held up. Yeah, I mean, it's literally what you do as a kid when you get a small snowball and you move it across the snow. If there's enough snow on the pitch, then the snowball becomes a bigger snowball. And it's the same with the actual match ball. You're trying to pass it and it just, you get the line where the ball's going across the snow and you're trying to play normal football and you can't play normal football. So I think um, I think the players deserve credit because I think there's a lot of times nowadays where we say, oh, no, they couldn't play in the mud or they, they couldn't play in the snow, the modern day player. And, you know, I, th I think, you know, not just in the Leicester game, but you had the Man City West Ham game as well, similar conditions, you know, where you, you have to adapt to it and you have to think quickly on your feet as a footballer. And, um, you know, it's not too dissimilar to a, what you would call a floody pitch. If you've got one half of the field where there's been torrential rain and the ball's there's plenty of puddles on the pitch and you're trying to pass it 10 yards to your mate. If you're a clever player, you think to yourself, I'm not going to do that because that's just stupid. I'll just try and chip it, get it 30, 40 yards further up the field and try and push forward. And, and you have to adapt to the conditions. So like I said, I think they, they deserve great credit for that, both sets of players, because, you know, I, I, as I said, I tuned in to watch the highlights, Dan. And, and then when they done the review after the two pundits, you know, there was about... 10 other chances that they hadn't actually shown in the highlights of the match. So it was obviously a really, really quality game with lots and lots of chances. And with the conditions, you know, uh, as I say, the players deserve credit for that.
one final point before I move on from the conditions, Matt. There, there was a bit where in the second half, Harvey Barnes started to break through, didn't he? On, on the right-hand side where he just used his pace. But each time he was hitting the ball in front of him, it wasn't going probably as far as he was expecting. So even that was hard to dribble in, in the snow like that. Is that the one where Cathcart got back at him? Yeah. Yeah, it looked like he was just going to rip past him, didn't it? And it, it, into open space. And yeah, it all just caught up with him a little bit, didn't it? But um, yeah, I, I, I agree with, with Tony. I thought generally, um, you know, watching the game in its entirety, I, I thought that both sets of players coped with it well. Mistakes were at a premium. And it, it did have an effect in certain instances. I think, you know, possibly with Castagno with the goal that Leicester conceded there, I thought maybe he was... A, a little bit tentative because of his footing um, and his balance, maybe. You know, with, with that challenge um, when the Watford player came through and, and you know, nudged him off. I mean, some people think it was a foul. I know you did. Personally, I thought he needed to be a bit stronger, but he just looked a bit off balance. And uh, so, yeah, it's difficult. Some players uh, adapt better than others. You know, it's people who've got that lower sense of. Uh, of gravity, uh, it's got a uh, tend to fare better. But I thought overall it was a good standard game. Plenty of chances, as Tony mentioned. Some of the defending left quite a bit to to be desired, but um, that made for an entertaining game, didn't it? But that's one area where Leicester do need to sharpen up a little bit. They still still didn't look conv convincing to me as a defensive unit. Yeah, the, the amount of, of chances that both teams had, I think they both, Watford maybe had sort of 18 shots, Leicester, something similar. It was a, a real end-to-end -end game, uh, an entertaining one, which, which Leicester came out on top, Tony. And, and I referenced at the very top of the show, it's been a good week, hasn't it? The win in the Europa League, now the win there. You can sense a little bit of momentum, hopefully, gathering. Yeah, and that's what football's all about. Um, I think I saw James Madison's interview and he was talking about confidence, <laughs> something that we always talk about on, on this show. And you need that confidence, you know, individually and as a team. You know, it was a, a real morale-boosting win, wasn't it, in Europe last week? And then you follow that up with, you know, against, they're a dangerous team, Watford. You know, I, I know Manchester United were poor recently, but they, now Watford have got players. Um, it was probably a result that Saar wasn't playing because he's their star man. He's a really, really good player. And uh, perhaps they would have taken a few of the chances that they missed. But, you know, an incredible amount of chances in the game. But now they've got the three points, Leicester. You know, they've got a couple of difficult away games coming up. And then they go into the Christmas period. I think there's a couple of the big boys in there over the Christmas uh, fixture list. So there's some tough games coming up for Leicester, uh, including the European game, obviously, to come. So, you know, you need the confidence that you get from the victory. You need to see some of your better players coming back into form. I'm talking about James Madison, obviously. And you need Jamie Vardy scoring goals. So there's so many things. I think Brendan would have been so pleased with the attitude, first and foremost, you know, you know, combating the, the, the weather conditions and getting those three points and then some individual performances. Yeah, of course, Matt touched on the defending and that's been an issue. That's not a new thing. That's been going on all season. As in, it's something that the players need to put right individually as a team. They'll get players back from injury as well, which will help along the line. But um, in the meantime, you know, it, it is good that the club's got those three points. Really, really important going into the December fixture list. Yeah, that, that confidence is something that we obviously talked about a lot yesterday, Matt, isn't it? And James Madison certainly looks like a player that's full of confidence. Yeah, it's just sort of the buzzword, I suppose, at the moment, because Leicester looks have been lacking in that department um, because of the run of results, really. You know, it, it's natural. It happens 
to to any team that that's suffering a sort of dip in form, which I think it's fair to say Leicester have experienced. Um, you know, their standards are higher these days, and what they've achieved over the last few seasons, certainly the last couple of seasons, you know, people expect that to be the norm, really. And I suppose that's maybe asking a little bit too much. But, you know, there's been talk of overachievement. I'm not sure that's necessarily the case. But they've been performing at a high level with players, haven't they? And, you know, as soon as it dips below a little bit, um, there's a little bit of, you know, a few rumblings from certain quarters and pressure sort of adds on. And, you know, you, you, you've seen it in, in their performances, but there are contributory reasons why. You know, we've spoken about it throughout the course of this season, the injuries, etc., and players coming back into form a little bit. And it's been a bit stop start. And okay, all teams have got to deal with that. And also, you know, international fixtures, etc. There hasn't really been a real rhythm about Leicester's play. But Brendan Rodgers spoke about it. I think he's emphasised it publicly as well as to his players privately. But, you know, this run of games coming up, this crucial period how many games there are and the opposition that they're up against, it is an opportunity to pick up a, a reasonable amount of points, you, you would hope. There's, you know, no points are handed to you on a plate, but they've got a good chance to go on a, a little bit of a run and things are coming together a little bit. They're still suffering with the injuries, but key players, Madison springs to mind, Harvey Barnes springs to mind, um, are coming back into some sort of form. And you can see that in their, in their own performances. <laughs> when you look back over the last couple of, uh, couple of seasons, and Leicester have been at their best, yes, other players have, have, have contributed, you know, and very much so, the likes of Vardy and Evans, Michael in particular, amongst many others. But when they've been at their very best, Madison and Barnes have been flying. And that's a good sign, a great indication. Leicester because he, there's a natural flow about Madison's play. Mentioned it yesterday, and I've heard him speak about it himself. He's at his best when he gets further up the pitch. He's more influential in and around Vardy, sometimes even beyond Vardy. That's maybe not his natural game to make defence stretching runs, but he did it yesterday. He got his reward right, slightly fortuitously. But you know, if you're not in those positions, the opportunities don't come. Um, Two assists and one was a superb piece of artistry and a lovely little dink ball through to Vardy, the second goal. But many other situations where he nearly put people in. And um, it was good to see him back in, back in, in form because I think a James Madison, of late, James Madison probably deservedly so has been on the bench or in and out of the team. And, but when he's playing well, Leicester are a much better side, aren't they? And uh, I think he's too good a player not to be in the starting lineup if he's on song. And uh, he certainly looks to be getting back to that way. Yeah, there, there was obviously the element of fortune, Tony, in the goal that he, he did score when he opened the scoring. But I, I can imagine you were particularly pleased with that goal and, and the, almost that the striker's instinct, the striker's nature of it from James Madison. He anticipated that maybe there'd be a mistake. He gambled, didn't he? Do you think there was a little shout there, Tom? A little what? Shout? No, do you think Madison might have dropped in a little shout there, Tom? He might well have done, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know where the lad's from, though. I mean, might put in the old keepers or something. Yeah, <laughs> I, tried exactly, that, yeah. I, I tried that many times, Matt. The old keepers, I hoping they're going to leave the ball. And that, and most of the 
the defenders. I, I think, listen, Matt, you know more than me, like uh, the basic basics of a defender. If you are in any doubt at all, you do not leave the ball. You head it, you, you turn and run after it, you deal with it. You do not duck out the way, let the ball bounce on the basis that the goalkeeper might be behind you. And, you know, it was dreadful defending. I think it was the Econ, wasn't it, who done it. But, you know, credit to James Madison. He's, he's, he's taken a, a chance. He's taken the risk. He's gone to run beyond it. All right, he might have shouted or whatever, and the defender hasn't dealt with it. But what I liked about it, Dan, went the, the controlled finish from James, you know, and he, if you watch the slow motion behind the goal, you see he, he, he doesn't just have his head down and blast it into the corner. He looks up, he sees, he assesses the situation. It's always important to have a picture in your mind of where the goal is. If you don't know where the goal is, you've obviously got to have a look to see where the goal is. James done everything. And then technically, it was a lovely control finish. He didn't smash it. He just guided the ball into the corner. It was precision as well, just inside the post. It was, I thought it was a wonderful finish. And, you know, just, just touching on what Matt said about James Madison, I think he deserves credit because, you know, if you're a, a, a Wilfred and Didi, if you're a Sumare, that type of player where you're patrolling in front of the back four and your job invariably really is to win the ball, pass it 10 or 20 yards. You don't really take too many risks. You don't take too many chances. And if you have a bad day, it's not that noticeable. If you're James Madison and you're a, a creative player and your job is to play just behind Jamie Vardy and, and to you know make things happen, when it doesn't happen, it, it looks a lot worse than what it is. He, he's just doing his natural game. The passes aren't coming off, but you get, you're get you in the glare and everyone starts moaning and groaning when you give the ball away. It's because you're trying to make creative passes, trying to put the forwards in, and it just looks a lot worse. And, and that must get to someone like James Madison. If, if there's a few rumblings, then, of course, if it doesn't come off, the manager then puts you on the bench. You then got to regather your thoughts and your confidence. So, you know, I'm really pleased he's back on form. He had a fantastic game yesterday from what I saw in terms of creating and he's finished for that first goal. And going forward, there's no doubt Leicester need him in that team for the creation, particularly if obviously Tielemans is not playing. Yeah, and I think the it's summed up quite nicely by the, the ball that he made for Jamie Vardy's goal, Matt. You <coughs> touched on it, didn't you? The, the dink ball over the top that, that probably only James Madison on that pitch really could have made a pass like that. And, and, and he was brave enough to try the pass like that because as Tony said, he could have lost the ball there. There could have been groans from the crowd, but he didn't. He went for it and, and it created a goal. Yeah, very difficult execution, wasn't it? And had to get it spot on, you know, a touch softer. I think Kafka, I think it was, would, would have cut it out, you know, a little bit heavier and it just runs harmlessly out of play. It was bang on the money, as was Jamie Vardy's run and even more so his finish. <laughs> that was a ridiculous finish there. Again, you know, Tony's probably better off describing that but for me it was just I, I mean we, we were sat there thinking the keeper's backman's gonna he's gonna get there first before Jamie anyway should have known better Jamie just sort of put the burners on didn't he and not only did he get there before but I, I thought he might get there and the keeper blocks it or whatever or he might have to loop it harmlessly over he won't get enough power to get it goalwards before a defender came and cleared for example but you know, Jamie got there that split second before and catch it down under pressure on the move at pace, you know, guided it uh, uh, towards the goal. But the trajectory of it meant that the defenders couldn't get back. It was super finish, super finish. People would, you know, probably say, oh, what's the keeper doing coming out like that, etc. 
um, you know, made it easier for Jamie, which is true. If you come, you've got to go and get, you've got to get there. But the angle of it as well, it was so acute. And it's all, all in a split second, you know, that these actions go, um, are made and the thoughts process going through his mind. Great goal, great goal. But yeah, typical Madison. As you rightly say, I can't think of anyone offhand on the pitch. And even Tillemans, maybe. It wasn't like a Tillemans-type ball. You know, he's got his foot right under it. Sam Wedge, wasn't it? On the angle, a little bit of backspin. Beautiful pass, really. And one that doesn't... You know, you'll, you'll look at it and think, oh, you'll be impressed by it. But it wasn't sort of spectacular. You know, outside of the foot, 40-yard bent inside the fullback or whatever. But it was equally as effective. And not many players are capable of that. And not many players are capable of that finish from Vardy either. But, yeah, it was, it was a great bit of play. It, it was one of those, Tony, where when you saw it live, you didn't think too much of it, really. You thought, OK, yeah, nice little ball over the top. It's when you see the replays, when you see how little margin for error, obviously, that there was in it. And, and it was just a, a perfect thing ball. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> I think Max described it really well. I mean, it was, it was a fantastic ball. And, you know, just to get the little dink on it, it's, it, it's so hard. And you see so many players try it and it goes out for a goal kick and they don't get anywhere near putting the ball, just keeping it in the penalty areas. It's such a tough skill to do, to get it over someone, but to make sure that it doesn't go out of play. It was, it was a fantastic ball. And with regards to the finish, I mean, I'm, I'm really pleased for Jamie because he's, he's had a tough little spell. You know, he's, he's, been, he's not been playing poorly. Just the goals haven't been going in, and and you know I've spoken about it many times before, and it's it's the worst part of being a, a, a forward is when you go on that run of games and the ball's not going in. But the one thing you have to do, and I always say it, you've got to keep getting in those positions. If you the day you stop making that run, and Jamie um, James Madison puts the ball in, and the goalkeeper comes out and catches it, and then you feel oh, I should have gone, I should have gone, and that's the hard part about it as a forward. You've got to keep getting into those positions. You've got to keep making the runs. And I think we saw right from the off, there was a clip about about three minutes into the game where Jamie was played. He made a wonderful run in behind the defence and the goalkeeper made a really good save after about two or three minutes of the game. And you knew he was on his game uh, yesterday. There was no doubt about that. But when you keep missing them or when the goalkeeper keeps saving, it is frustrating. Then you've got to keep doing it. And you know, my dad always used to say to me, son, you've got to keep getting in the box. Keep getting in them, keep making the runs. He said, the time you don't make the run, that's when the ball will land there. And, he, and my dad was right. And Jamie Vardy's thinking in his split second to assess the situation and know the only way I'm going to score it is the outside of my right foot to loop it over the goalkeeper. It was precision. You know, the, the defender made a fantastic effort to clear it, but it was that good a finish that he didn't manage to clear it. And, you know, brilliant play from Madison. And I'm really pleased for Jamie. And of course, Getting that goal, then obviously then led into you know the second goal that he scored, which was another good header as well. I was going to ask you, Tony, which was your favourite of of them? I mean, obviously the last one was a tapping for Luckman, but Madison's first he takes really well. Vardy's first he takes brilliantly. Then the header actually is is very very good. He's almost deliberately looped it over the goalkeeper. Yeah, I know it was a, it was a brilliant goal. It really was. I mean. It, it's, question mark as a you know looking at tactically I never quite understand why a team don't put someone on the far post I really don't and uh, Matt would talk about that a lot better than me but um, you know Jamie's run was was fantastic and you know I talk about movement in the box and I've spoke and I've been a little bit critical about Leicester about the static defenders but if you're in on the move in the box 
you've got more chance of getting in front of the defender. You've got more chance of getting higher because you're on the on the move, so you can jump higher. But sometimes you see players trying to generate power when you don't need to. You know, the ball in from James Madison, there was so much pace on the ball. And he's whipped it into an area. And, you know, I, I, I think if he was honest with James, you would, you would say, you know, oh, is he necessarily looking for Jamie Vardy? Probably not. I think he, what he's trying to do is just to put it into an area. You know exactly where you want to put it. And James Madison's good enough to do that. He's whipped it into an area. Jamie's made the run to the near post. You don't have to generate it. You've just got to let it glance off the top of your head. I played with uh, Tony Gow at West Ham, a good friend of mine who was really good at that. You know, the pace was on the corner. You just flick it on and then you either score like what Jamie did or you've got others coming in at the far post to take advantage of it. It's, you know, it's always, always been a good corner. The in-swinging corner and the flick-on header. You know, like I say, you can question the defending. But, for, you know, from Leicester's point of view, it was a really, really good goal. Right, Matt, you've got your platform, you've got your soapbox. Get on it. Talk about a, a player on the back post because I know it's something that, that does annoy you. Well, it's it's not the well, yeah, Tony's just, you know, mentioned it there and it's not anything that needs particularly detailed discussion. It's just a case of whether you want someone there or not. And I don't understand. I'm with Tony, why not? I mean, certainly not so long ago, both posts were regularly covered by the teams defending corners, weren't they? And that seemed a little bit, um, you know, a little bit too heavy on the defensive side of things because then you're lacking in other areas in around the penalty area or you can't afford to leave anyone up or you're short of people on the edge of the box, etc., etc. But But certainly the majority of balls that go in near the post go in at the far post. A near post is very rare because you've got time to... If the ball's whipped in at that near post, you know, you've got people, goalkeeper can cover that, etc. Goalkeeper was stranded. Um, and it, 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 was, it was a good goal from Leicester's point of view, but it was far too simplistic in terms of um, conceding. Because, you know, a good ball, good run, decent touch. That's it. You know, and it's a bit of a lottery, basically. Um, you're just hoping the ball doesn't go in that area. Where If someone was in that far post, they, they cleared it all day long, didn't they? And, you know, it could have been the difference between losing and winning, possibly, or certainly getting a point out of the game. It's bizarre. Leicester don't do it either. Now, I know sometimes teams do it for, like, the, the, the second contact, if you like. But that, that's different. That, that's when the ball's sort of hung up far post. It's, it's, it's a bit of height on the delivery, then people squeeze up, and then it's very rare that people score directly from a header when from an outswinger. It does happen, um, but more often than not, it's you know that that's from the contact being further out. Then they squeeze up, and then it's towards goal. And if there's secondary contact, the attacker's offside, or if it's a rebound from the keeper, he's offside. That's the theory, uh, more often than not. But for me, it's a gamble. You know, just do the basics first. And, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what... They talk about overcomplicating situations sometimes, and I think coaches and managers are guilty of that, quite frankly, you know, without being too critical of them. I don't see why you wouldn't protect that. They get all the stats and the ratios, so they may be able to you know, prove me wrong in that department. Um, but you seem to see a lot of goals going in at that fast stick, don't you? 
Um, I was just, I was, I was just going to say, you mentioned the word basics, and I, I think for me, with, with corners, when you're defending corners, there's, there's two things basic-wise that I think a team should always do. One, which you've described perfectly, is to put someone on the far post, so that because the goalkeeper's always got to cover the near post, so if it loops over him, you've got someone to clear off the line. And the other thing that drives me absolutely mad is teams don't leave anyone up for corners. So if you leave someone up in halfway, in other words, I'm talking about me. Your job. There was no Your point, job. There's no point in me going back for corners because I'm never going to head the ball away. All I do, all I used to do, was get in the way. If I did go back, the, the lads would tell me get upfield. But if you put someone on the halfway line, the other team's got to keep two players back to mark you. So uh, it's just sort of basic, you know. Yeah, I know there's trends and there's fashions and, you know, people try and reinvent things and that. But I think sometimes go back to basics, man on the far post, put a man on the halfway line. So when you clear the ball, at least you've got someone with the possibility of holding the ball up so that everyone can clear the box. Just my little thoughts on it. Basic, basics of football. Well, what Watford left three up at one stage. Yes. yes. So that, that was an absolute rarity. That was in, you know, um, times of need. There was a little bit of desperation, really. But... Yeah, no, exactly. Because I mean, you, you're you're submitting yourselves to dealing with two balls coming in, pretty much, aren't you? You know, two defensive phases. Because even if you clear it nine times out of ten, if you've got no one else trying to contest the ball, come back in. It's coming back in. So, you know, there's another goal scoring opportunity. But and also, I think there's an argument. That, yeah, there's, like any argument, there's, there's fours and against, but. It's too many bodies back in each other's way as well. And I know you can say, well, it gives space for the attacking team if you've only got half a dozen, say, in the box um, who are contesting airily. But also you, you get in the way. So your best headers of the ball, say, for instance, Johnny Evans, Soyuncu, um, they've only got a couple of yards of space that they can go and attack the ball because then the next man, it's maybe Harvey Barnes who's attacking it uh, because that's his area. And Harvey, although he's you know decent in terms of stature, he's not the most aggressive header of the ball. So somebody who can all get in each other's way. So there's loads of loads of arguments and you know loads of ways of defending corners, but I just don't understand uh, leaving the far post clear. To be honest, we deal with the immediate danger uh, and then clear your lines. But um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, on the flip side of that, Leicester have improved their their threat from attacking set pieces. Um, and I think that it's good that they've shown that initiative, really, because they've had to find an alternative route, really, haven't they? Because they didn't look particularly threatening with, you know, just a direct ball in and around the penalty box because they don't attack it that aggressively. Um, so they found a different way. And... Mixing it up, sometimes going short, sometimes going fast, it sometimes putting it in penalty spot, six yard box, but also going near. And with Jamie Vardy with those sort of rapid runs across the first man, good delivery from Madison have proved um, quite effective, haven't they? No more so than yesterday. Well, yeah, you think there was the goal uh, against Sparta at Moscow, the disallowed goal against Leeds, there was the Wilfred Ndidi header um, against Legia Warsaw on Thursday, and another goal from a corner at the weekend. So, yeah. And um, looking good from uh, an attacking set-piece point of view for Leicester. And we haven't talked about the fourth goal yet. Adam Ola-Luckman's first Premier League goal, Tony, for uh, Leicester City. And probably one of the easiest, I think, he'll ever score. Yeah, it's about being in the right place at the right time, Dan, isn't it? And, you know, now, again, that will do his confidence, the world of good. It's always nice to, to get your first goal. And, uh, you know, it was good build-up play, wasn't it? Luke Thomas and Harvey Barnes involved. And, 
you know, sometimes you, you have to just take a chance sometimes and just put yourself in the area. Of, you know, I, I, I watched the Chelsea-Manchester United game yesterday and, you know, there was times balls were flashing across the box and, you know, you're thinking, just take a chance. Just get yourself into a position where if, if the goalkeeper makes a save, then you've just got yourself a tap in and that. And sometimes you just, you see players, they for some reason, I don't know what it is, maybe, maybe it's a confidence thing, maybe it's just awareness, hesitancy, I don't know what it is, but they hold back on the edge of the box. And then the goalkeeper makes a save and you've got a tap in and you think, well, you're on the edge of the box, what are you doing? Just take a gamble sometimes. And, you know, you're not going to get told off by the defenders. If you take a gamble and then the ball bypasses you, you know, the ball's still in the opposition penalty area. The defenders have got lots of time to get reorganised and get back into shape. So you're not going to get criticised. I just think sometimes just take that gamble, like Adimola did yesterday, and you get your rewards. And that, that will do him, his confidence well. But I think he's made a, a pretty decent start at Leicester and that. But it's always nice to get your first goal. And those four goals, Tony, will, will do the, the group good for, in terms of that confidence. Again, that we, we're talking about confidence. But that is two wins in a row now, as, as we've spoken about already. Four goals in, in that one. It was three the other night uh, against Legia. So back to scoring goals, which hasn't necessarily been the problem this season. It, it, it's still good to get that amount of goals. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, I, I think we all, you know, all know that the, the issues have probably been more defensively than, than attacking-wise, Dan. But <laughs> you, can, you can only beat the opposition that you're playing against. And when you... You know that you know last last week was a, a pressurised game, wasn't it? It was a you know you have to win game, which they did, and then you come against a, a Watford team that's just full of confidence or should be off the back of beating Manchester United last week. So you know those sort of victories, are, you, you gain a lot of confidence from that, and it, it does help in terms of the impetus and going into what we've already spoke about with that December fixture list. So yeah, it was a, it was a vital three points, and it, it pushes Leicester up as well. What they're in tenth position now, and not too many points off of where they want to be. Um, so, you know, I, I think it was it really was an important win. And now when you get into that six, seven games that are going to come, league games that are going to come around the Christmas New Year period, it gives Leicester a chance to build on that and to try and push back up the league and get to where they want to be. You know, they want to be in that position where you're, you're trying to push for a Champions League place like they've done the last two seasons. If you want to do that, you have to win your home games against the likes of Watford. Uh, what are your thoughts ahead of Wednesday, Matt? I'm thinking it's quite a long way to travel for me. Uh, <laughs> Set that up nicely, I thought. Is he going to say something? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm also wondering why Tony hasn't helped me out. You know, I thought we were mates, TC. I know, but there is another game that night, Matt, that I'm going to. That's, that's the reason why I'm not going. I'm sorry, I will be at West Ham on Wednesday night, and that was why I bailed out. I, I did think that my mate, he needs to do a bit of travelling and go down to Southampton. And, you know, I've been there for the 9 0 that a couple of exactly. years ago. Lucky charm, lucky charm, TC. <laughs> I've been looking through my address book for all his Southampton contacts that I know, and I don't even know him that well. But I'm going to dig out Matt Latizier's number, see if he fancies doing the co-commentary instead. <laughs> <laughs> you got but, Franny Benali as well, Matt. We got Franny Benali. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've put these names forward, TC, but no, they want me to traipse down there on my own. Some. Three hours down there. What is it? The M3, A34 M3, isn't it? Weather conditions not looking too good at the moment either. But nonetheless, yeah, looking forward to the game. It was, uh, we say that the game's coming thick and fast on the back of two successive victories for Leicester, one in the Premier League, one in the Europa League. Um, they'll be looking to continue the, the form, won't they? And Southampton, listen, any game 
brings its challenges in the Premier League, doesn't it? But you, you go there, not expecting, but you know, hopeful, and that we're confident now that that you can come away with the three points. Why not? You know, Leicester, Leicester know what they're capable of, don't they? And I'm sure Brendan Rodgers does, and I'm sure the other players remind themselves of how good a team they are capable of being. You know, not so long ago, winning the FA Cup against European champions, elects, and listen, you know, that doesn't dissolve um, in such a short period of time. That they, they've got quality throughout the squad. We've spoken about the depth of the squad, and yesterday, you know, missing key players still Fafana, Tillmans, Ricardo, uh, to name but a few. Um, still had you know, a quality team out there on the pitch at the King Power yesterday with good options in reserves as well. So why not? Why not? You know, go bouncing down the M3 to Southampton. Then, you know, big game at the weekend as well. But first things first, deal with that and see where the land lies. But all of a sudden, there's a different outlook from Leicester's point of view. Yeah, if they can make it three wins from three, Tony, it will completely change the mood from what it was maybe a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it, it will, Dan. But I, I don't get, I don't get that impression that the players panic too much. I, I certainly don't think the manager does. I think the manager, you know, I, I, I love Brendan. I love his attitude to things. He doesn't get too emotional when you win, and it, don't get too down when they lose. And there's, you know, he's very practical about things. And I think that must rub off on the players as well. I, I get the impression that the players know that they've had a difficult start to the season. A lot of it's been down to injuries. It's not so much been down to the form. You know, there's been a couple of times where they haven't particularly played that well. But, you know, they're on a, a little bit of a roll now. And sometimes you, you start that roll slowly and you, you just build it up a little bit. And going to Southampton, it's, it's one of those fixtures with Southampton. I don't think you ever quite know what Southampton team you're going to play. Um, they've got two good players, Shea Adams and Adam Armstrong up front. You know, they, they have been playing two up front. So that's uh, another situation that Brendan might look at. Does he go with the three at the back or does he play four at the back like he did against Watford? I think that's where Brendan's very good tactically. You know, he assesses the opposition and, you know, sometimes you, you've got to adapt to the opposition, especially at an away game. And it's, it's a tough place to go to, St Mary's. It's never easy down there. I know I, I said about the, the big victory a couple of years ago, but that was an exception. Normally you go there and it's a tough game against Southampton and they had their chances at Anfield at the weekend as well. I know they got beat quite heavily in the end, but it's a very good Liverpool team. But if you're creating chances against that Liverpool team, you know that they're going to create chances against Leicester. So Leicester have got to be on their game. There's no, it's a dangerous fixture for them. But looking forward to that game and to the, the big game against Villa coming up at, at the weekend, I think if Leicester can get four points out of six, I think that would be a really, really good return from two difficult away games. Uh, absolutely. And, and you, you look at Southampton, it's a good point that Tony makes about not necessarily knowing what, what team you might come up against. They've had good results this season. They've had not so good results this season. Probably a, a little bit like Leicester in that sense, Matt. But what do you think he'll do formation-wise? So, Tony was saying there, maybe would he go yeah. back to the back five? Would he stick with the back four that's worked in these last two games? Uh, instinctively, I'm thinking, you know, why change um, any system that's, that's worked for you over the last couple of games? And then you, Tony makes that point about Brendan. You know, he's quite sort of flexible in his thinking and he assesses the attributes of the opposition, etc., and thinks what's, you know, what system is most appropriate. But you know, having said that, I think you can, you have to take into consideration 
the opposition to a degree. But I think you have to get the balance right about what suits you best as well. You know, if you start accommodating everyone all the time, then I think Leicester maybe have been guilty of that possibly a little bit. Um, and it's detracted from their own performance. You know, there's an argument made for that against Chelsea. Uh, they went up against them, tried to match them up. Some people question whether that was the right thing or not. It's easy to say it wasn't because of the way the game went and the result and the performance. But, uh, that, you know, that could be just on the day. It, it didn't work. But you go up against Chelsea and match them, like the individuals they've got and the, the framework that they've got, you maybe need to come up with something alternative. But anyway, that's by the by. That, that's perhaps to consider for the future. But I think accentuate your own positives as well. And at the moment, the positives are Leicester looks more organised. There's still issues defensively, um, but they, they just look more at home, more at ease with that back four, I think, in terms of how it allows them to play going forwards. Um, I think sometimes they get a little bit disjointed with the back three. There's a time and place for it, don't get me wrong. You know, maybe away from home against the big sides where you know you're going to be under a little bit of pressure and you sit back, play on the counter maybe. But Leicester don't look that comfortable at it when they've got a force issue at home, in my eyes. I think the back four suits them better. You know, the full-backs know their jobs better than they do as wing-backs. Um, and Leicester are coming at teams from sort of in an attacking sense from all angles. The best Leicester have played, I think, in my view, over the last couple of years, is when they played that four... Well, four, it's almost a 4-1-4-1 system rather than a 4-3-3. Now, that, again, that's because it's pros and cons. But it was when Dindivi was in midfield, Madison and Tillemans were playing either side of him on the angle. And then you had Barnes, you know, Perez, more often not, or O'Brien with Vardy. And the fullbacks were getting forward. They had, in effect, seven players in attacking roles. Now, there's a lot of responsibility on the defensive players, of course getting that balance right. But Leicester was somewhere close to that at the weekend. Um, Samari sort of plays in between uh, an attacking midfield role and, and you know, he, he can swivel into defence as well. Madison does his bit. But th th there's a good, good balance about Leicester's play, I think, at the moment. We've got the players they've got out there. It suits them. Um, players like Kelechi and Axel would be frustrated that there's no slot for him, really, in this system with a lone striker, but there's always sort of going to be casualties. But Leicester have that option to revert to, don't they? So, I, look, long answer um, to your question, Bates, is no, I don't think it'll change the system. I think the team will be pretty much the same. Find up there, yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks very much. It's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, other results at the weekend, Tony, that, that caught your eye? Um, I think the, the Premier League results, Dan, just confirm what I think we all really know is that the top three are going to be over the hill and far away this year. I, I know Chelsea perhaps should have beaten Manchester United yesterday. It was a defensive performance from United um, and they only got the draw. But then you look at Liverpool, you know, a, a comfortable home win. Manchester City, although the result tells you otherwise, I think it was pretty comfortable at home to West Ham. And I think those three, as I say, they're going to push on. They're going to get more and more points. And I think there's going to be a huge gap between 
third position and fourth. But the good news is, Dan, is that leaves that fourth position open. And at the moment, you're looking at it. I, I mean, I watched Arsenal. I'm not convinced by Arsenal. You know, Spurs are off their game at the moment. Everton are well down the table. So there's a real opportunity, I think, for a team to come with a good run at some stage during the season. Could be Leicester. You know, it's, it's still open, I think, that fourth position in the, you know, to get the Champions League position. So I think that's, for me, that's the interesting part of the Premier League at the moment. Predictable results. Top three pushing on, but that fourth Champions League spot's going to be open, I think. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, there, there are only five points between fourth place and where Leicester currently are, Matt. And, and you look at the start, I think overall Leicester fans and Leicester players will probably say it hasn't been the, the best start that they could have made, of course. But, but as I said, there are only five points where you put a run together, you can be right up there. Yeah, you, that, that's the, the positive aspect of it, and rightly so. That's how. Brendan Rodgers will be looking at it. I don't think, you know, without being too flippant, I don't think he'll be overly concerned about what's happening below him. But you have to be wary of it. <laughs> um, you can't disregard that. I mean, what were Leicester just, you know, Watford, if they if they got the result yesterday, we would have gone ahead of Leicester. And that's how fine a line it is at this stage of the season. Um, but, yeah, I think Leicester can afford to, be positive and look upwards rather than downwards, can't they? And you say it's five points, you know, that can be turned around in the space of two games. It can happen in less than a week. <laughs> you know, the fortunes can change, especially over Christmas. Pictures come in thick and fast. Who knows, you know, what the future holds for for many of the sides there. You know, Tony's West Ham, um, you know, they're looking good at the moment, have done for a period of time, but you're just waiting for them to maybe have a little bit of a dip or will the amount of games affect them? Everyone talks about the Antonio factor, you know, if he was to be out of the equation. Um, although they've coped with him on a couple of occasions recently, they're looking good. But um, there are lots of good sides in the top half of the Premier League. And I think there's been no cause for panic, no need, you know, for... Um, negativity really you, you've got to be wary of the situation but the way that the season's gone for Leicester over the last couple of campaigns you know they've been very good stroke excellent for sort of four fifths of it haven't they on both occasions and then it's tailed off at the end you know who's to say this year might be you know mediocre first thirds of the season and then they might go on a rampaging run for the for the remaining two-thirds. Um, the signs are there that they're picking up form, for sure. And if they can harness that and channel it and get everyone properly fit uh, regularly, then I don't see any reason why not. Um, don't think they'll quite be Matt, you could, Matt, you, Sorry, mate, you can compare it to a horse race. You know when you see like, yeah. a horse out front and it's leading the whole way round and then you just get picked on the line and you think, oh, which has happened to Leicester the last couple of seasons. But sometimes there's, there's an argument for being sort of mid, mid position in the field, bobbing along, then gradually just work your way towards the front and then come with a run towards the end, as we know. So, you know, it, I, I think Leicester are capable of doing that. I, I really do believe that, especially if you get a few of those injured players back, you know, and then I, I think good results over the next six weeks or so. And I think we could be looking at Leicester in a really, really good position come January. Yeah, that would that, that, be the intention, TC, wouldn't it? But it's, it doesn't always work out that way. But you know, you see it with in, in other sports, maybe you know, even athletics. Um, 
you know, people build them up. They don't want in, in the Olympic Games. They don't want to peak in the quarterfinals. Exactly. Like those up boxers as well. You know, go through different phases of, the, of their career, and you know, in shortening that into a football season, you know, that might be not not the intentional um, way that Brendan Rodgers planned it. But with the injuries as they are, Leicester will be looking to, to build themselves into the season. And if you finish with a flourish, who knows what could happen. Uh, right, before we do our um, football Jenga at the end, let's uh, have a quick word on uh, Claudio Ranieri, Matt, and, and the return of, of him to King Power Stadium for the first time as a manager um, on Sunday. Uh, and the reception he received from the, the crowd was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah right, so he's, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a special character, isn't he? And he was at the helm in a very special time for Leicester City Football Club. And I think, um, you know, whoever the manager was and Leicester achieved what they did would have been, you know, it goes without saying really, would have been you know, so popular and well-remembered. Um, but I think, yeah, because of his, his, his quirky sense of humour uh, and his character and the the unexpectedness of, of what occurred, um, you know, people people didn't even expect him to, to be in the running, really, to get the job in the first place. Uh, there were many shouts of Claudio Who from people of a younger generation than me and Tony. Um, you know, he hadn't been heard of, really, um, in recent years in English football. Obviously, his days back in Chelsea. Um, you know, it probably had been in the 90s, would it have been, I suppose, yeah. Early 2000s, I think. Early 2000s, was it? Yeah, so, but, um, yeah, the, the effect that he had, I mean, Nigel Pearson, I, I think, deserves a hell of a lot of credit for, for what happened, for setting, the, setting things in motion, obviously, <laughs> the great escape, etc. But And the, the platform was there, and I think Ranieri was fortunate to, take over in the situation that he did but he certainly made the most of it didn't he you know and yeah as i say i remember him at victoria park with the post uh premier league winning celebrations when there was a massive parade there was a quarter of a million people in and around the town of victoria park and he came on stage with the players and he just said and he spoke to uh, all the supporters and said don't stop dreaming. He was like, no, dare to dream, sorry. Dare to dream and never wake up. And he, those fantasy dreams had happened for Leicester City fans, hadn't they? And he just brought, I don't know, he brought a bit of glamour and profile to, to the situation as well, didn't he? Standing next to Bocelli, we were reminiscing about yesterday. That was a touch of class, wasn't it? That would, that would go down in many people's memories for... I was going to say many years, but for their lifetimes, wasn't it? So, yeah, it was good to see him get a good welcome, deserving so. Yeah, I'm sure that element didn't surprise you, Tony, hearing that reception from the Leicester fans. No, not at all. And I, I always think, Dan, that you should be, um, you should always, if you return to the football club, you should be applauded for what you did at the club. In other words, it doesn't really matter what you do before. It doesn't matter how you leave the club, whether it was under a cloud or whatever you do after you go to another club. You should always be remembered for what you did at that football club. And the Leicester fans are brilliant with that. They, they remember what players do at that football club. It got fantastic reception, quite rightly so. And, you know, to, 
we've spoken about it many, many times. It, to put everything in perspective, you know, for what Leicester achieved in 2016 and that, and at the start of every season, I'm sure there's plenty of dressing rooms up and down the country saying, we can do a Leicester. And that's the biggest compliment. And that come from the players, obviously, through their performances. But a huge part of that was the manager. It was, it was a wonderful season. And he, he thoroughly deserved the reception he got from, from the fans yesterday. And I'm not surprised at all because the Leicester fans are always brilliant in terms of remembering people that have achieved at the football club. Uh, right, it's time to do our football Jenga then. The reason I left the Claudio Ranieri stuff to the end is because it, it relates a little bit to him. Um, so, Chelsea against Spurs on the 2nd of May 2016 uh, is a very famous day in a very famous game because obviously it handed Leicester City the title under Claudio Ranieri. So, uh, I want you guys to name for me the squads uh, of Chelsea and Spurs that day. So the starting eleven and all the substitutes uh, of both teams, they are your options, they are your criteria. Um, if you want to take it in turns for me, please. And Tony looks more confident than Matt. I will say that right now, uh, early on. So it will Dan, be... you know what? It's one of my favourite games over the last 10 years because it was a proper football match. They kicked lumps out of each other. It was a fantastic game. And ultimately, at the end of it, Leicester won the league. It's one of my favourite games. So whether I can name the players is another matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was looking earlier. I think the, the amount of yellow cards the Spurs players, it was either seven or nine. It was something like nine, that. I think it was. Nine, yeah, I think nine. nine yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, OK. I uh, he can name all nine of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you might well, I'll be... go first. I'll go first. I'm going to go Harry Kane. Oh, well done. I don't know. Can I go for a coffee? <laughs> um, Eden Hazard. Dilly Alley. Dilly? Dilly Alley. Dilly Dilly We've gone early. Dilly Alley did not play in the yes. game. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yes, you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have, I would have assumed that he had done as well, but no. Uh, well, Matt, he... you get one right though, Dan, because otherwise you can't yeah. win it on this stream. Go on, Matt. I think I can get three or four right if you want, mate. That, that's like last week when Steve Guppy got chucked in, wasn't it? Was I was weeks. so confident that that was right. Yeah. You would think, you would think he was obviously, I don't know, injured or suspended or something, wouldn't he? You, I, mind you, I can sort of picture him being on the pitch. To be honest, he was substitutes as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, come on, don't give me all that. Give me an answer to win it. You'd be trying I'm trying to, to, to get... find myself, time, mate. I'll find... <laughs> now, I know this. Um, Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer, yeah. The Tongan. He got booked. He was having a bit of a row and all that. Yeah, the Tongan. You go, yeah. Larice. I can't remember too many Chelsea. I wouldn't be confident naming Chelsea players. Uh, well, I can read them out then. So you've got yeah. uh, Asmir Begovic was the goalkeeper. Wow. Uh, back four was uh, Aspilicueta, uh, Terry, Cahill, Ivanovic. Um, Fabregas, Matic and John Obi Mikel played in midfield. And then it was Pedro, Willian and Diego Costa. Um, their Sorry. bench, Marco Emilia, Barbara Rahman, Kennedy, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Oscar, Bertrand Traore and obviously Eden Hazard. Uh, and then there's Spurs team, Larice in goal, um, Walker, Alderweireld, Dyer, Rose, Katongan, Dembele, Eriksen, Lamella, and Son and Kane. Uh, and their bench was uh, Michelle Vaughan, Kevin Vimmer, Ben Davis, Tom Carroll, Nasser Chadley, Ryan Mason, and Clinton and G. No, no Dilly Alley. 
Dilly, Elliot, I'll say not Dilly. So, yeah, I mean...